Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, you're listening to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy with your host, Lori Watson, sex therapist and author of Wanting Sex Again. And I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Adam Matthews, couples therapist. And we are here today talking about sexuality after trauma. And we really mean after sexual trauma. You can find us on the web at foreplayrst.com and we're on iTunes and Stitcher. We would love to hear your questions. Please send us an email and... We're just having fun with this thing, trying to answer questions that people send in and trying to talk to you about things that we think will help you keep it hot. Yeah, and today's topic, Lori, is is difficult because we're talking about trauma, assault, any kind of sexual trauma that's happening. And I know that a lot of victims of sexual violence, um, when they're trying to engage in a mutually satisfying sexual relationship with their partner, find it hard for a number of reasons. I mean, there's just so many things that happen, whether they are projecting what happened to them onto their partner, whether it's just being able to be vulnerable um, with their partner and open to what is happening, or even just to just being able to orgasm, like all those things that seem to just come up for victims of sexual violence just become very, very difficult things to overcome. Right. And Adam, I want to say, I mean, some of our listeners may think, you know, this doesn't apply to me because Mm -hmm. my partner is fine and has never been molested or never been raped or date raped. You know, and as we know, it's all in the news right now, you know, big date rape case in Stanford. Mm -hmm. And I think it's on our minds in terms of how many women actually are sexually molested or assaulted. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the statistics are unbelievable, like one in 10 one yeah. in three? I think it's more than that, I think. Okay. I think somewhere between there, one yeah. in three and one in ten. But. Yeah. We, <laughs> we should know <laughs> we that. Should, we should know that. <laughs> sure. uh, but it's it's a horrendous statistic, and so many women don't escape childhood or young adolescence without some sort of trauma and experience. And we know, of course, men, too, are sexually mm-hmm. assaulted. But today we're going to really focus on how to help her through it. And, you know, I think there's a difference, isn't there, about – 
the type of assault sure, and the absolutely. timing of the assault. And then, you know, God knows the length of the assault. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously the worst case scenario is incest, a relative, mm-hmm. the father being the very worst case. Yeah. And over an extended period of time, grandfather sort of secondarily, brothers, any kind of incest is completely kind of cracks the self for yes. developing a girl child. So right. it's way more than just sexual recovery. It's, you know, total emotional recovery. Mm-hmm. And it, um, it matters too, like what kind of, what happened, <coughs> what sex acts happened during the assault, whether it was being forced to have oral sex, whether there was penetration occurred, all of those things, where it took place and who, if it was somebody that was known, if it was if it was a stranger, like all of those things that kind of play Play right. a factor into right. it. Right. I mean, I guess I said the worst, but I mean, certainly rape and sexual assault, you know, the random sexual assault that is violent from a stranger is also terrible. And, you know, date rape, I mean, all of it is bad. We yeah. know all of it is bad, but how do we get over it? How do we help people get over it? I think the first thing is we want victims of sexual assault to talk about it mm-hmm. because, unfortunately, they take into their heart and soul and body. A sense of shame, yeah. right? That somehow or another they deserved this, they were bad, or that they're – I think many times sexual assault happens in young girls as they're developing. Mm. So they think their very sexual development is what brings on this violation. Yeah, there's obviously a lot of shame that's associated with that, right? And so sometimes that shame gets locked away, right? And it's mm-hmm. never – and part of what we're talking about too is that sharing that with your partner – becomes a way to kind of release that shame um, and kind of get it out there in in the open so that it's not a shameful thing. Right. Anything that is secretive that Mm -hmm. we feel ashamed of and have to keep inside is something that is to our detriment. Yeah. And I think in the sexual relationship, it's a naked relationship, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so trying to be deeply intimate with somebody but knowing – you know, that you were molested in the past or you were violated in the past and they don't know. Mm. I mean, I think that that's going to stand between the couple. Yeah. Um, And we're going to talk later about how a partner receives that information in a way that can be most healing to the victimized partner. Because, you know, I think I will just say that if your partner was sexually molested and it's now interfering with the sexual relationship, there can be a lot of pain on the partner's part. And resentment and, you know, it can already have robbed him as well, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that there's there's a – especially since we're we're talking about sex, that there's a physical aspect of trauma too that we've got to acknowledge as well where the trauma can actually become located physically with a person and all kinds of different things uh, depending on where the trauma took place, that there's a very real physical reaction that's happening – that we have to kind of, as we talk about it, kind of discover as well for them to be able to move forward. Yeah, and I think, Adam, you're saying something important about the mind-body connection. Yeah, absolutely. That sometimes our body is literally the storage house for traumas. It's Mm -hmm. not just in our mind. It gets lodged somehow in our bodies. And I think what we see so often in people who have been sexually assaulted or molested is that they have a reduced ability to be sexually excited, Mm. sexually aroused, to reach orgasm. And, you know, because they can't let go uh, until that 
memory essentially is dislodged from mm. their very body. Yeah. And I don't know that many people make that connection. They may mm-hmm. they know that that is happening physically with them, but they don't make the connection to their to the trauma that has occurred. Mm-hmm. Right? And they, it's it for some reason it's when we talk about it and when we explain that connection to people, it's kind of like an it's kind of like an aha, an aha moment, moment. Right. right? Because it's it's something that once they make that connection, it feels totally obvious, but for whatever reason that part, that mind-body connection is disconnected in their kind of understanding and the meaning that they've made of what's happening with them. Mm -hmm. And I I see so many women who have been sexually molested approaching a more panic kind of state Mm. as they get sexually aroused in some way or approach a sexual situation that they have this sort of uh, confining, panicky sense. Mm. And and it could be because they were literally held down, mm. or it could just be that they're entering close to an abusive memory, and so they panic yeah. and feel really anxious. And all of those, I mean, I'm of the school that says we got to talk about all of it. Yeah. Every part of it has to be brought into the light, essentially, and opened up so that healing can come. I, I don't think that we can just bury it Move Absolutely. on. I think, and like we've said, the body holds it, even if yeah. we think we've moved on. Yeah, and I think that in that, I'm of the same school of thought. And I also think, in regards to what you hear about this, but I think that there are certain, I don't think you have to talk about all the details, but especially when we're trying to re-engage a healthy sexual relationship or to recover after a trauma, that there are certain details that your partner needs to know. One, so that they can be sensitive about Mm -hmm. that information. For instance, you mentioned if you were held down during a sexual assault, if there were certain things that you were made to do that Mm -hmm. in the context of a committed, healthy sexual relationship would be okay. Would be normal. Would be normal in the context of the trauma or an assault are not okay. Right. And so that gets that can get confusing. And so I think that there are certain details that you need to begin to explore with your partner to give them some kind of understanding. And that's where I think it can be really hard. Because it's one thing to say, oh, I was sexually assaulted way back when. It's another thing to say, these are some of the things that happened to me as a part of my sexual assault that we need to be, as a couple, need to be aware of. Yeah, and I I would say, again, I think that, I think people need to tell one person all Mm -hmm. the details, maybe not their partner, but the relevant details that would impact the sex life. Okay. Um, Because I think sometimes partners have their own reactivity about it. But yes, indeed, telling them, you know, what happened so that they can understand. But that doesn't mean necessarily that that act particularly can never be recovered. Sure, I think absolutely. that's the fear yeah. between the victim and their partner. Like, okay, does this mean that all these things are always going to be off limit or always going to trigger you? And I think, you know, definitely not. I mm-hmm. think that the person, one way to take back sort of sexual arousal and pleasure is to think about masturbation. And I know that masturbation is a really touchy subject for some people, but I think for someone who has endured sexual arousal particularly at the hands of the other, because a lot of times in molestation, the child is actually sexually aroused, Mm. and they feel very, very guilty about that. And they, they feel like, you know, that's been robbed from them, you know, that this was... This ability to be aroused was taken by the molester, literally. And so they need to bring it back and own their own body, I think, and be able to self-stimulate, to get aroused in a very safe way, very private way, locked door, 
I think that that would be helpful if they can almost as a prescription, yeah, you know, so that they can own sexual arousal, their own body back. Yeah, that almost sounds like that's that's a safer way to begin to explore that. And mm-hmm. I like what the, to take their body back, but that's doing it in a in a way that's completely safe, right? Yeah. That they get to move at their own pace, that they get to move as they want to, and what feels good to them, right? To begin to without know pressure. without pressure. And I would say one thing, you know, we know that. A lot of couples are sexual, and then this emerges. This, mm. The memory comes up. Somehow or another, it stands between them. So we know that often, by and large, the couples I see have been very sexual in yep. the beginning, and then suddenly this is there between them. And I think that's what one of the things that's frustrating. Like, you know what? You, you know, she needs to go back to masturbation. We've already had sex a million times, you know. Yeah. Uh, why does it have to go back to that? But actually, it's the very safety of committed partnership and marriage often that these things emerge in order for healing to happen. So mm. it's the good news. So we're going to come back. This is kind of a sobering topic, but we're going to talk a little bit more about some real specific ways to recover sexually after molestation or after trauma, sexual trauma. And you are listening to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy with your host, Lori Watson. And my co-host, Dr. Adam Matthews. Wanting Sex Again. How to Rediscover Desire and Heal a Sexless Marriage by Certified Sex Therapist Lori Watson. Each chapter is designed to fix one of the problems that cause low libido from early marriage through the childbearing years, even all the way through menopause. I've also had men read it and tell me that for them, it was the most hopeful thing they read about resolving sexual problems. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Look for Wanting Sex Again on Amazon.com. You can also talk to Lori Watson for therapy in person or via Skype. I offer couples counseling and sex therapy, and I think about both aspects of the relationship, emotional intimacy and sexual technique, and that combination together helps marriages be happy. Improve your sex and improve your relationship with Awakening Center for Couples and Intimacy. Find out more at AwakenLoveAndSex.com and sign up for their next couples retreat weekend hosted by Lori Watson. AwakenLoveAndSex.com. Awaken what's possible. Okay, we're back with Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy and your host, Lori Watson, and my co-host, Dr. Adam Matthews. I've written Wanting Sex Again, and one of my chapters, Adam, is about molestation as a shutdown for why women often have low libido or shut off from their sexual feelings. And in this second half, we'd like to talk about, you know, what to actually do to restore sexual functioning if your partner was molested. And again, we acknowledge that often in our practice, this comes up in committed partnership in previously very sexual relationships. And I think the frustration is often, you know, it has, by the time they get to us, at least by the time they get to me, you know, they've been shut down for a while. Well, it could Um, be really confusing when you've had a good sexual relationship in the beginning of your relationship and then you come in and, and there's, there's these problems that emerge that seem like 
that it doesn't seem congruent. It doesn't. And it's right. like, what is happening? I, yeah. I think it's so frustrating. I know one couple I saw for a while, they had been very sexual. Probably they had two children. Mm. And it was really about the 10th year of their marriage that she began to recover feelings and memories of having potentially have been sexually molested. Mm-hmm. And she shut down. And I think by the time they came to see me, she had been non-sexual for a year. Hmm. And I know that some couples therapists recommend actually taking a break from sexuality so that the traumatized partner can heal. But, you know, I have my own feeling about that, that it's, you know, they have to be very careful because Hmm. oftentimes the sex life has shut down already. And the partner is already frustrated, not having been abuse, you know, they're fully sexual and then they have a partner who hasn't been participating and then for the therapist to go ahead and say, okay, now I want you to take a six month break from all sexual activity. It's yeah. like, woo. Yeah, that's, that would be hard for the partner to accept. Yeah. Because you know, you're just saying do more of the same. Do more of the same. Yeah. And and I, I really think there's a better way because sometimes the anxiety is so great that the victim can't face the memory until it's triggered mm. uh, sexually. It's like they just they feel panicky and anxious the whole time, and the more they avoid it, it's like it looms bigger and bigger. Yeah. So, what do you recommend instead of taking a break? What's the, what's the alternative to that? You know, obviously, I'm not going to absolutely say that they should just go ahead and be fully sexual. Mm. You know, but first, I, I think they need to be sexual enough so that their partner has some satisfaction. You know, and and maybe there are ways that she might be able to give to him, mm-hmm. you know, during this healing time so that he feels sexually satisfied. That's, you know, a good starting place. Other ways like, you know, we've talked about maybe being going slowly yeah. and and maybe approaching the things yeah. that are particularly traumatizing. Yeah. So that says to me that we don't just cease with all sexual activity at all, that we just cease to be be sexual as the trauma is being processed, but maybe we're more strategic about it yeah, and more intentional. Yeah, and I think that you – I mean this is obviously something I believe needs to be done with a professional yeah. helping you. You know, if, if you don't see your partner actively working it through, that could be very discouraging as a partner. And sometimes, you know, if you are the victim of that, you don't know how to work it through. Yeah. Whereas we see it all the time and can help people recover fully. Yeah. One thing, Wendy Maltz is kind of a big guru on recovering sexuality after sexual assault and sexual molestation. And she has a YouTube video out. It's called sort of Relearning Touch. And it's a YouTube video. And it's uh, it's okay. I mean, it's a little corny. And I think some people watching it may, may be, ugh, you know, that that's all because they, you know, they talk about like one finger back rubs and things like that. But but for other people, people who are really highly anxious, yeah. you know, laying naked together would just be super tough. And touch yeah. at all, once they're shut down, is hard. So they need to start in some place. And I think this is at least a beginning. Yeah. So massage, holding each other naked, finding ways that can still be sexual and progressive. And one of the things that I think that I hear you saying is that for the partner that is being that may, there may be some frustration already because sex is, has not happened in a while. They need to see some hope at the some light at the end of the tunnel, right? right? Mm-hmm. And so, seeing their partner working through it or not ceasing sex altogether then gives you some of that. Yeah. Is that fair? Is that what I, I think that's fair, and I think it's also fair 
for a partner to say, you know, if if their partner feels really stuck. I mean, and mm. we see people who are really stuck, like yeah. they've shut down sex for two or three years or something. And I think it's fair for the partner to say, I love you. I desperately want you. Mm-hmm. You need to get through this because I need the marriage to be sexual. And yeah. And that was the couple that I was just describing. That's essentially what he did. Hmm. You know, they had been shut down a year or two before they came to see me and they were in treatment. And he was like, you know, I appreciate how terrible this is, but we have to have a full marriage. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he kind of put a timeline on it. And I know that sounds awful, but in some ways it was a counterweight Hmm. to her anxiety about facing the molestation. Yeah. You know, her love for her partner and seeing and recognizing how desperately he needed them to be sexual yeah. was this counterweight that enabled her to face it. So I'm yeah. not saying an ultimatum or something ugly, yeah. but I also think it's fair to the partner to say, I, you know, I really need this. I need you to get through this. On the other side of it, on the victim side of it, would you say it's also fair to – I mean, we obviously do not want to re-victimize or re-traumatize Uh, someone who has gone through something as horrible as sexual assault. And I think that's one of the things when when there's been sexual violence or sexual assault, somebody that has not been through that may not be fully able to grasp the horrific nature of it. Right. And so I I think that you also have to give permission to the person that has experienced that to be able to say, that's too much. I don't want to do that. And have your partner be understanding of that as well. I think when you offer that to each other, that becomes something that I think becomes a place that you can begin to to grow from. Right. The survivor of sexual abuse obviously has to have a voice. Mm-hmm. And that's part of a recovery is being able to talk about things. And And it sounds like we're talking a lot about repressed memories that have never emerged. And I would say most people do remember having been sexually molested. It's the very, very, very mm-hmm. rare case where it's completely repressed. Mm. But it's it's more about how they process that. Yeah, and so people that even remember it may not begin to process it or deal with it, so to speak, until much later. Right. One of the things I think is my favorite technique is to have them go slowly, mm. you know, into sexuality. And if the person who is the survivor gets panicky and just, you know, a memory re- emerges, which is mm. really what happens usually – then I say take a break right in the moment yes, and maybe resort to holding. And I think it's Winnie Maltz again who suggests ear to heart, mm. you know, that the person who is the survivor puts their ear on their partner's heart. And somehow or another, the heartbeat is often sort of a reaffirming way of getting back in touch with their love for each other, about safety and connection. Mm. And I think she has them do that in non-sexual moments mm. so that it can kind of be a re-anchoring yes. in a sexual moment if they yeah. need that. That really speaks to me about being reminded, being present focused and grounding for the survivor. And I think one of the things that there's also lots of different ways that you could do that as well. I mean, there's objects that you can hold that are, are have a memory to ground you here. There's picking points in the room that remind you that, that you are where you are that you're present, that you're, you are not that child that was give, hurt. Give us an example not. of that. Um, I've had people that have looked at small rocks that are really tactile, that are meaningful from their house that's a part of their garden. Or people that have taken lockets or pieces of jewelry that remind them of who they are, that are really, that have a lot of identity 
for them mm-hmm. um, and just holding on, being able to hold on to those and the, having that tactile sensation that really gives you something that says, this is where I am. I'm so not. The object is the safety. It's like the, they, yeah. they imbue the object at some Absolutely. point with a sense of safety. Yeah. yeah. Or even just a family photo that's on their wall in their bedroom. That reminds them that this is this is who they are, that they're this in this moment. This is our moment. family. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think that goes back to something you've talked about before, about making their, their bedroom really a safe place, being intentional about what is in the bedroom mm-hmm. so that it's the environment that you are in is completely safe. And so if you open your eyes in the moment, and when you, especially when you're getting anxious or panicky, you see something that says, this is where I am. You're this safe. Is, you're safe. Yeah, yeah. You're here now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I think that's a good technique. Yeah. Um, do you have them choose an object and then bring it into treatment and mm-hmm. session and then work with, you know, what that object means? And yeah, then- absolutely. I think there has to be a lot, of, a lot of work that goes in there to make that as something that's safe. Like you said, the word imbue, mm-hmm. which I like, are really focusing and knowing. Like It's like mm- a transitional object. That's right. Almost the way we give children silky blankies and things mm-hmm. to help them feel safe and comforted. When their mother isn't there, right? This is the transition of now I can feel safe in this scary kind of moment. Yeah. When you're vulnerable, you want to be safe. That's that's great. Uh, Definitely something that is difficult to get through, but we think that it's, you know, healing is absolutely possible. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, we see so many couples that have survived this and gone on to have full sexual lives, even though it's something kind of the worst case scenario and we would never wish on anybody, unfortunately. Many people, men and women, are sufferers of sexual abuse, and we know we only touched um, on probably the female victim, but I know I do work with a lot of men who are victimized, and I'd like to talk about that in another podcast. Um, I think that that alone is a whole other subject in our culture because men also have this shame of talking about it that even goes beyond, I think, the shame of a woman talking about it because they're supposed to be strong and it's not supposed to have happened to them and they're responsible if their bodies are strong. I mean, there's so much about that that we need to hit next. This is something that really needs the help of a professional that Mm -hmm. really needs for whether it's for men or for women, whether you're working through this with, and it's really done both collectively and individually, right? There's a couple piece for therapy to work through that. And there may be an individual piece to kind of process the trauma but that's something that we would recommend diving into with a therapist as opposed to just trying to dive in that uh, together because it is, there is such, it's such a deep, painful hurt that has just a lot of things that go into it. Right. Again, a difficult subject. You're listening to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy with your host, Lori Watson, author of Wanting Sex Again. And I'm here with my co-host, couples therapist, Dr. Adam Matthews. Thank you so much for listening. Find us on foreplayrst.com or iTunes and Stitcher. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. We're on both of those as well. Thanks for listening. Hey, help us stay on top here at Foreplay. We'd love it if you would subscribe and share it with your friends. And please take one sec and rate and review us. Thanks so much.